can't ride on my little red wagon. You can't ride on my little red wagon. Front seat's broken in the wicket, the wicket, the wicket, the wicket. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is the Nick Bartlett Show. This is a Sports Pack 12 original. So don't forget it, y'all knuckleheads. If you didn't figure it out by the title, my name is Nick Bartlett. I'm the broadcast manager here at Sports Pack 12. I'm also a staff writer at Oregon Sports News. I've had my articles featured in the Seattle PI, 750 The Game, and Go Local PDX, and a bunch of other random media outlets and places and shenanigans and all like that. This is a sports show about Pac-12, current events, affairs, obviously the action of the field, and the conference in totality. Thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the show, if you've been here for a long time, eh, maybe thank you. Nah, nah, thank you for coming on. And without further ado, let's get to some Pac-12 action. Welcome back, y'all. We made it through 2020 and hopefully on to a healthier and more happy year. <laughs> seriously. But seriously, great to be back after a month-long hiatus. And without further ado, let's get right back into the swing of things here. And today's episode will invite Dane Miller back onto the show, who is Sports Pack 12's assistant editor, and he'll give us his three big takeaways from this year's hoop seasons thus far. Hoops season thus far. After Dane's opener, I'll break down why the conference higher ups got exactly what they deserved in trying to manipulate the football schedule. And as always, and maybe better than ever, or maybe worse. You, you guys can ultimately decide that Bartlett's random topic of the day. And yeah, it's Bartlett's random topic of the day. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. And seriously, we all made it through 2020. Let's continue to spread love and be the best versions of ourselves, our spirit, our energy. And with that, let's kick it down to Dane in Tucson. And he'll give you a real in-depth look at Pac-12 basketball thus far. Oh yeah, making the second appearance on the show, baby. You know how it goes. So let's just jump right into it. Pac-12 men's basketball. What do you think so far this season? My big three takeaways? Well, number one, I think Colorado's a little bit better than people were expecting. They had a pretty decent freshman class coming in. Jabari Walker, probably the main guy on it. That's, um, you know, he's probably performing better than people thought. I, I think it's fair to say that he is the freshman on Colorado Rock who is exceeding expectations and really a key part of their team. You throw in Jariah Horn, too, who's not a freshman, but he's a transfer. He's a first-year player out there in Boulder. And the two of those combined have made Colorado better than expected through this point of the year. Of course, they're holding steady at home against Oregon like they always have. They beat USC in Los Angeles, which which looks like a, a better win as the season goes on after the Trojans swept the Arizona programs uh, for the first time since 1985. Very impressive road sweep there for the Trojans. But overall, I think Colorado is the surprise of the conference so far. Uh, they were picked to finish um, sixth or seventh in the Pac-12. Right now they're sitting uh, up there at the top um, better than people thought. Uh, second big takeaway for me this crazy scheduling that is going on in the Conference of Champions. What are they doing? What are they doing? 
you have games being played at 11 a.m. Pacific time on the Pac-12 network, that means the conference is able to determine when those games starts when they're played on the Pac-12 network. You're telling me that Tuesday night at 6 or 7 p.m. Pacific time is not available and you're playing this game at 11 a.m. on a Thursday? It's out of control. It's not acceptable. We as Pac-12 fans cannot stand by without hooting and hollering and making as big a deal as possible about this as we can because this is not acceptable. You know what people do? They work during the day. They're at their jobs. They're at their jobs. They can't watch a basketball game at 11 a.m.? Come on now. What is that? What is, I mean, seriously, is any other Power Six conference in college basketball doing that? No, they're not because it's a it's a run by a proper organization that's not bending over backwards for whatever reason and playing these games at 11 a.m. Pacific time on a Thursday. God, that is just unacceptable. And it's, it's a reflection of the leadership in the Pac-12. And I'm not going to name names because it's not just at the very, very top. I don't even want to go into why this is happening and who's responsible for this, but it's it's insane. It's not acceptable, and we can't sit back and act like it's okay because otherwise they're going to keep scheduling it. I know a little bit of it has to do with the coronavirus, but come on, man. You can't be doing this to your fan base. Imagine if you're having to play a game at 11 a.m. Pacific time on a Thursday. Get out of here. This is just ridiculous. Uh, third big takeaway, you know, it's probably the USC Trojans. I think they are certainly exceeding expectations. They had a great non-conference win against BYU by at least 18. It might have been in the 20s. They lost by two or three to a UConn team that is now ranked in the top 25. That UConn team is now in the Big East. A more respectable division than wherever they were, the American Conference, the American Athletic Conference. So the loss to UConn by two or three is not a bad loss. Uh, They have a decent resume for the uh, committee to take a look at. Their net ranking is high. Uh, It's one of the highest in the Pac-12. They have a road sweep of the Arizona programs. Both respectable wins, even though the Sun Devils uh, were down some players due to COVID. The win in Tucson was impressive. It was a 14-point victory. The loss that they have that is questionable, I guess you could say, is that home loss to Colorado. But even that is not a bad loss. The fact that it's at home was, you know, the one thing that you might point out about it. But... And if you remember from last year, USC beat UCLA both times they played. So Andy Enfield was undefeated against Mick Cronin. And if you remember last year when UCLA was making their run, USC stopped them from winning a share of the Pac-12 championship on a last-second shot from three, which was an amazing finish. It's redefined that rivalry. And if you... If the game was tomorrow, I think USC could probably beat them for the third straight time in the Andy Enfield era. And Mick Cronin would be winless against the Trojans since taking over um, at 
and uh, Westwood at Poly Pavilion. So those are my big three takeaways. The scheduling, it just irks me, drives me crazy. Colorado exceeding expectations and USC exceeding expectations. I'll go ahead and throw in the Oregon Ducks as the fourth one. You know, the Ducks aren't exceeding expectations, nor are they failing to meet expectations. Nafale Dante, uh, their big center, is out for the season. Will Richardson still hasn't played a game this year. And if you watch the Ducks game against Utah, LJ Figueroa, the transfer uh, from the Big East at St. John's uh, program, he went down with an ankle injury. Uh, he didn't play the remainder of the game after he went down with that injury. And Eugene Amarui also left the game, though it was not injury-related. He had a like a stomach illness type of thing, non-COVID, uh, but he didn't score any points in that game and left at, I think, halftime. Um, so I think the Oregon Ducks are probably the team, when fully healthy, that has the most capability of making a deep tournament run. The problem is they're not healthy. They haven't been all year, and they're not going to be um, for at least a few weeks. Uh, Richardson is going to come back. Figueroa's status is up in the air, and who knows about Amarui. Amarui is the, probably the most important player for them this season, and of course Dante is out for the year. Uh, that's a problem for the Ducks, and you know, uh, they can overcome it. They have depth, and... Dana Altman is a Hall of Fame coach who can uh, work with what he's got, and he'll figure it out. But th- the probability of them making a tournament run, a deep tournament run, is it's fading based on the injuries that they're sustaining. And now they have COVID issues, so they're going to be out for, I think, at least 10 days now. The Pac-12 uh, doesn't require a 14-day quarantine. It's 10 nowadays. So we'll see how things go. And, of course, Arizona with its – postseason ban who knows how that works out for them I I personally think the NCAA is going to come down hard on them and give them uh, possibly two more years of a postseason ban so I don't know if if this postseason ban really is going to mean anything to them when they're deciding their fate Uh, oh and of course Washington State you can't forget about them having a great season so far Uh, Isaac Bonton kind of has has gotten to his groove the beginning of the year, he was really taking too many shots, contested shots. He just was putting up way too many shots, and he wasn't making them. Now Noah Williams has emerged. F.A. Abogidi has really uh, emerged as another player, fantastic freshman. That guy's going to be a professional player at some point in his career. And, of course, Jokomovsky, uh the North Macedonian, hits a lot of threes, barely even shoots from two. Interesting, it's that typical European player. He's a big, but yet he shoots from three, and that's basically all he does. Uh, but they, there's a bright future ahead. Deshaun Jackson's been playing well recently uh, at center for them. And Noah Williams' injury is the one question mark that I have in my mind right now. He took a hard fall against Stanford. They didn't call flagrant foul, even though it should have been. And he, he had to leave that game. And that's probably one of the reasons why, certainly why they lost by so many points. Uh, and they were competitive when he was in there. So you you got to think that. He would have a greater chance of, of winning that game if you know, Williams didn't go down with the injury. And, of course, Arizona State, Sun Devils, man, what's going on there? You know, they lost a few games uh, in non-conference because of an injury. Um, an injury, and, and now they've kind of had COVID issues that they're dealing with. 
And it's just, it's never been, it's never gone together. Uh, they never got it together. They've never had a full squad except for the first handful of games. And now they're dealing with more, more COVID issues. It's just, it's been a mess. It's been not good out there in Tempe. Uh, Marvin Bagley was the player who was injured. Uh, and key non-conference games, the UTEP game he was out for where they lost by like 14 or 15. Oh, it's just not good there in Tempe. They could still close the year out strong, and they got a lot of pull with the NCAA tournament committee. So they could still turn it around and make the NCAA tournament, but they got to do it now. Things have to change quickly. That's my rundown of basketball so far. Thanks, Nick, for letting me come on. All right, I'm back at Cleanthria, Victorian somethings. I, I don't know. My mom watches this like Kings and Queens show from the old English, old school era or something. I don't know. Maybe that's a failed state back then. Anywho's anyway, Dane, not even a messy this time, but seriously, do appreciate all your knowledge. They're publy. They're publy. Did I just say publy? You would love to edit that out, but you just got to roll with it. So there are uh, probably a few people out there who watch more Pac-12 basketball than you, Dane. Respect the knowledge on WSU. Really surprised you knew about Yakimovsky from North Macedonia. That's some good stuff right there. In terms of your football predictions, I don't know about those all the time. I do not know about those, but hoops, loving your takes, and yeah, good shit, boy. So, for the rest of the show and the rest of us out here, we're going to talk about the Pac-12 higher-ups and how they manipulated the football schedule. Yes, I know you all want to move on from the football season and forget about the tarnished reputation. We're not going to do that just yet. I've had a month-long hiatus, as you mentioned at the top, and I do want to give you my final take on football. So, it's really obvious that the Pac-12 scheduling committee tilted the schedule in favor of Oregon and USC this year. And for this segment, you do got to understand some schedules might be slightly off due to all the cancellations and rescheduling of games, but you're probably smart enough. You probably are. You'll get the gist. So we're going to look at the Ducks and the Trojans in particular. Looking at UO schedule, they opened up against Stanford and this was after the KJ Costello transfer, who was primed to be their starting quarterback, obviously. And the Cardinal were also coming off a four and eight season. The next three matchups were against UCLA, Washington State, and the Beavers. And none of these teams are thought to be conference title contenders in the preseason. And keep in mind, this is very important. Keep in mind, this is preseason projections for the segment. Obviously, now that the season is done, we know that UCLA proved pretty solid. And Stanford finished on a high note. So we know that obviously preseason projections aren't always right. But this is preseason projections, guys. So anyways, with Stanford, UCLA, Washington State, and the Beavers, the Ducks are primed off to get to 4-0 start before playing at Cal and hosting Washington to round out their campaign. Obviously didn't turn out that way, but they were really set up to go 4-0 and probably should have handled Cal. Looking at USC... With the exception of their home opener against ASU, the rest of their schedule appeared to be an absolute cakewalk. Arizona's Arizona. Utah lost almost every notable player on their roster. And WCU and UCLA, we've already discussed. Yeah, they're supposed to be bad in the preseason. Not bad, but not title contenders or 
outside contenders or anything like that. So these are obviously very favorable slates for the Ducks and the Trojans, but it really pops or stands out when you look at Arizona's schedule. And don't worry, y'all, we're not going to go through like fucking 12 schedules, you know what I'm saying? We're not doing that shit. Like This is going to be the last schedule we're going to look at, but it really is a great point of reference, understanding how tilted the schedules were. So in a six-game campaign, UA drew USC, Washington, Arizona State, and Cal. All four of these teams are thought to be at the very least outside contenders to win the conference, and that's at the very least. If you combine the Ducks and Trojans schedule, they only drew three of the aforementioned squads. So <laughs> that's pretty telling in itself. And look, I get that all the higher-ups all wanted a share of the $6 million playoff bonus, but greed ultimately tarnished our reputation to the lowest point it's been in quite some time, probably ever. And we were, the Pac-12 was already thought of as an inferior football conference. So this isn't going to be something that's going to be rectified in one year. Unless we like have like magically three teams to just dominate. You'd have to think a team like Oregon, USC, maybe Washington or Stanford returns from a decade ago. But unless we have like three elite top 10 dominating teams, I don't see very likely for next year. This is season's going to hang. It's going to hang around for a while. No other way to really say it. And to say otherwise, that'd be a soft kind of cushiony weak answer in my opinion. So as it stands, looking at it financially, the conference already got a $66 million base payout and a $4 million bonus for Oregon's birth in the Fiesta Bowl. So in reality, they're only $2 million off of what they would have gotten from a big bowl game bonus. What the hell did I just say? Essentially, in a hypothetical situation, if a team made the CFP, they really would have only made $2 million more. So just doesn't really add up. They didn't need to do this. We have a reputable conference in itself. And the scheduling committee really just screwing up this year. We're going to go slightly off track here. I'll, I'll finish my point about the football team. But going back to the scheduling committee in totality, I mean, as Dane mentioned, what are they doing with the basketball games? I was trying to watch the Cougs game, and they're playing at 2 p.m. today, dog. I was at work, like literally exactly like you said. I mean, they lost to the Bruins about 30 points, so I wasn't too mad about it. But you know what I'm saying? So the whole scheduling committee, whether it's, Hopping back to my point here, that's a little roundabout circle journey, whatever. So the Pac-12 scheduling committee, whether it's basketball, these weird games, or as I was saying, with football tilting the schedule for Oregon and USC and very unsuccessfully doing so, they're fucking up, dog. They're just fucking up. Another way to damn say it. And if you're looking at the football final results, a non-division winning conference champion and 0-2 bull record speaks for itself. Just listen to that. A non-division winning conference champion. Doesn't even sound like a champion. And what's fair is fair because the Pac-12 may be getting a rap just because they suck so bad. Other conferences probably tilted their schedules as well. Thinking the Big Ten probably did so, but I covered the Pac-12, so don't quote me on that or anything like that. Bottom line is, I'd expect better from the Conference of Champions because, quite frankly, manipulation is not a championship trait. Not at all. 
And these are student athletes. And whether they play for Oregon or USC elite dominant teams with top, top tier talent, or they play for the Wildcats of Arizona, this is supposed to be a basically a fair level playing field. And the Pac-12 failed to do so. They wanted Oregon versus USC. They got Oregon versus USC. And they deserved exactly what the hell they got. And I feel no sympathy for them. None whatsoever. Don't try and manipulate kids. Manipulation is wrong. So on a lighter note here, we do have Bartlett's random topic of the day. And this is one I am very passionate about. Probably one of my biggest fears in life. (laughs) But uh, Today we're going to be talking about rattlesnake fights on YouTube. But it could really be any snake fight, man. You got cobras versus mongooses out here. You got rattlesnakes versus hawks. You got like roadrunners versus rattlesnakes. Except that was an NC. A no contest for all you UFC nuts out there. But seriously, I was just like watching this during work. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I think some people from work may listen to this, so. Sorry, I I wasn't watching Rattlesnake videos during work. I was reading emails for all eight hours of the day, guys. (laughs) No, so so watching this uh, Rattlesnake essentially fight a, I think it was like a hawk, like a red hawk. And dude, the snake just looks so intimidating. Got that little beady ass eye, like looking like it's about to bite you and venom you up, dog. Like, and man, like this hawk just swoops down, bro. So it just like swoops down. It puffs out its wings super far. And so it looks like this, like, I don't know, Macho Man Randy Savage or something. And the snake, like, tries to bite at its wings or something. And then the bird just, like, coldly swoops on his neck like it's nothing and wins the fight, dude. It was like Nate Robinson getting knocked out. That's a low blow. Sorry, Nate. That's cold blow. You're from Seattle. Nate would knock me out so quick in all likelihood. So my bad, Nate. But seriously, man, the hawk just swooped on the rattlesnake so quickly, dude. And, like, this is a rattlesnake. If it bites you, you're probably out, especially a hawk that size. We got any other snake videos? Yeah, I mean, just anytime you're watching a cobra versus a mongoose too, you're probably not going to go wrong with that. That's like some high face, high face. That's like some like a welterweight, 145 light weight class fight. They be moving so fast, bro. The cobra be puffing off his hood and all that. In all seriousness, it's just really freaking entertaining. So you ever get bored or something, drinking a beer, doing whatever you got to do, smoking a bull. Turn on some rattlesnake fights, bro. <laughs> it's interesting. I promise you, that's interesting. So, all right. Uh, um, that's going to do it for Bartlett's random topic of the day. And concluding and recapping today's episode. First off, it's great to be back. We're all in this together in this certainly, certainly freaking interesting world that we're living in right now. Whether it's health or whatever you are going through. We are all in this together. In regards to the actual contents of the show, Dane came in and gave you a fantastic breakdown of the Pac-12's hoop, se- hoop season thus far. I swooped back in and talked about the Pac-12 Football Scheduling Committee and their attempt at manipulating the schedule. And in Bartlett's random topic of the day, we talked about rattlesnake fights on YouTube. <laughs> facts, though. That, that's facts. <laughs> so, um, thank you, Dane, for coming on the show. I'm out. Cheetos and tuna.